Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be with you in about two minutes with technical difficulties. Two minutes. Stay put. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be with you in about 90 seconds. Please stay put. We are having some technical difficulties. Thank you.
And good evening, everybody, and thank you for choosing King Jordan Radio for Tuesday, November 18th, 2014. This is King Jordan you're listening to. Tonight on the show, we will go over a lot of uh, wrestling-related stuff, including uh, CM Punk, the latest on him, Undertaker, Raw, much, much more. Just want to remind you folks that on Thursday, we will have CNN legal analyst Richard Herman to discuss Bill Cosby and the latest um, uh, women, two women to come out that that said that he was uh, sexually molested by uh, the actor. Uh, we'll touch on that, Ferguson, and much, much more. First of all, let me introduce our uh, co-host for the evening. He is our wrestling insider out of Chicago. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. J. J. Double J. Good evening, Double J, and welcome back to King Trio Jordan Radio. How are you? Hey, King, great to be on. Like you said, so much to talk about Survivor Series. It's a Sunday, uh, recapping the go-home episode of Monday Night Raw, uh, other things in the news. I uh, hope we get a chance to talk about, if you watch the WWE Network after Raw on Monday night, they had a sample of the Randy Savage story that was just released on DVD today. Also released today, the PS4 as well as the Xbox One releases of WWE 2K15, the video game on next-gen consoles that was just released today. It is definitely something, if, you, uh, if you're a gamer, you have to check it out. I know it was released on the last-generation consoles, on the PS3 and 360, but this, these are the new next-generation consoles. This is the one where only on the next-generation consoles will you be able to take your face and put it in the game and literally create yourself as a wrestler in the game. It is a new feature that's never been done before in a wrestling game. So this is a, a huge release today, so so much to get into. Okay, before we do that, let's bring in our guest for the evening. Uh, let's see, I think we have Dominic Valente. Dominic, are you with us? Yeah, I'm here, King. What's up? Hey, JJ. Oh. Brother okay, Dominic. Hey, how-, how you doing? Okay, we might have uh, Blackjack Brown here. Let's see if we can bring him into the conversation. Uh, Good evening to you, Blackjack. How are you? Doing good, King. Brother JJ, Dominic, how are you, my brother? What's up, Blackjack? How's it going, man? Hey, Blackjack. How's it going? Very good. All right, JJ, let's start where you left off. We were talking about... Uh, the video games and uh, for all the video gamers out there, please pay attention. And what's this latest on the video game we could be filmed? Yes, the WWE 2K15, the video game just released today on next generation consoles, the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. It's also the release of the new, the first ever where you can scan yourself in the creative suite and literally play yourself before you had to maybe create a generic uh, wrestler, maybe, you know, your eyes or your color hair. But this is completely different because it'll take a photo that you can upload and put into the game and it'll take your face 
and it will be able to transfer your faith onto the creative player. And it's something that is just unbelievable. If you've seen any of the videos that UK has tweeted out on Twitter or on their website, it's really remarkable, and it looks very authentic. Like I said, it's not a generic copy. You are literally seeing yourself also in the next-generation console uh, of the W2K15. Of course, my career mode, which was not featured in the PS3 and 360 version. The My Career Mode, of course, starts off where you play uh, at NXT and you build yourself up and you, you fight the NXT guys, and then eventually you graduate and go to the main roster and you win championships and you fight at WrestleManias and eventually you end up in the Hall of Fame. So it's a, that's a feature that a lot of people have been uh, very excited for. They want to get into the My Career Mode, as well as the 2K showcases that were featured in the uh, last console games of the PS3 and 360, the 2K showcase featuring John Cena and CM Punk's rivalry, the 2K showcase featuring Shawn Michaels and Triple H. That will also be a part of the new PS4 and Xbox One uh, release that was just released today. Again, the graphics, too. The graphics were okay on the last console generations. If you have a copy of 2K15, I mean, it's great for console, but these new consoles, it's really unbelievable. It's photorealistic. If you've seen any of the commercials that they aired on Monday Night Raw for the release of 2K15 on the next generation consoles, it's truly unbelievable. I mean, you might as well be watching Monday Night Raw. It's really authentic, very realistic, the the best graphics uh, ever in a wrestling video game. And uh, a lot of people are very excited to play uh, these this game, especially, like I said, it's next generation, the My Career mode, the Create a Player mode, which you can scan your face into the game. There's so many new, incredible features in the next generation releases. It's a very exciting time if you're a gamer and a wrestling fan. And you uh, part you said where you could, uh, the career thing, is that yes. when you create your own character or you could do that with anybody in the game? Well, like I said, it just came out today, so I, I can't say if whether or not you can play as a particular superstar or you have to create and make your own superstar. As I mentioned before, you can create yourself, and you can literally put yourself in the game and rise up the ranks. I, I haven't played it. I, unfortunately, I don't have a PS4, so I haven't been able to play the new release that uh, just came out today. But uh, when I do get my hands on it, I'll be sure to let you know. Okay, cool. And uh, Survivor Series is this Sunday, yes, the annual, the 28th annual Survivor Series pay-per-view. As far as we know, there's only four confirmed matches for the card, but uh, I'm sure there'll be more announced maybe tonight on SmackDown if you're watching it live on the WWE Network. There, of course... Uh, recording main event after main event will be the, an episode of the Monday Night War, which features the women of the Monday Night War, the women of WCW, as well as the women of Raw. After that, they have a special countdown featuring uh, some unforgettable Survivor Series moments. And after the countdown, they have 30 minutes of ECW exposed that features 
just interviews between Joey Styles and Paul Heyman that didn't make the cut last week. Last week they had a very uh, special that was live with Joey Styles and Paul Heyman. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I think we're going to echo again with the Blackjack's line. Let me see if I mute. Yeah, it's gone now. Now let me see if I can put it back and it comes back. All right, here's another test. Right now, Blackjack's line is off. Now let's try it on again. Okay, start talking. JJ, continue. Yes, uh, as I said, it's going to be very excited to hear uh, ECW. Blackjack, I hear you. Okay. The question is, is it echoing now? Yes, it is. And the answer is yes. Yeah, it sounds like a big echo. Okay, now let me see. I'm going to cut Blackjack's line off. Let me see if there's an echo now. Okay, now it's cut off. Do you guys hear any echoes? Nope. No. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Any echoes? Nope. Okay. So we'll have to resume that until Blackjack calls from a different line or something. Or proceed, uh, JJ, now that we got that straightened out. Well, as I mentioned, uh, tonight they're also airing part two of the ECW Exposed, which basically features what they couldn't fit into last week's episode. And last week's episode was a real treat if you watched it on the W Network. And it did feature just Joey Styles one-on-one with Paul Heyman. And they just kind of reflect just the times of ECW and some of the guys that come out of there. It was just a way to establish to new fans who maybe aren't familiar with extreme championship wrestling. And they, of course, talked about superstars like Brian Pillman and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. They talked about the Guerrero Malenko Classic. And they talked about Sabu and how Sabu left ECW and how he came back. And that initially started the barely legal pay-per-view between Sabu versus Taz. And they just and they even talked about comedy and how ECW could do comedy. And Joey Styles made a point to say comedy the right way. And, you know, they showed just various things like Public Enemy, uh, the Dudley Boys, Cactus Jack, uh, just and even stuff with Brian Pillman, stuff that I completely uh, forgot about or maybe I didn't see. There was this one segment where Brian Pillman was wrestling a pencil, and uh, the joke there, of course, was that you know at the time in WCW there was this whole sort of legal battle going on where ECW had these lawsuits with WCW, and instead of getting money. They wanted talent. Paul Heyman wanted talent. And he said, well, I don't want, you know, this or that. I just want to bring these guys onto my show for the exposure. So he would have Brian Pillman come on, and they would just come up with ideas and stuff to do. And initially, Brian Pillman was scheduled to have a match, but unfortunately he was in that terrible car accident, and the match never really took place. But they did film some uh, vintages for you know, Pillman, which, like I said, he wrestled a pencil, or he was in the chef. He, he was like a chef, and he was cooking. And uh, like I said, the the idea behind wrestling the pencil was at the time in WCW, he was uh, fighting uh, Kevin Sullivan. Now, Kevin Sullivan at the time was WCW's booker. Now, they were going over that, you know, the booker basically was what in today we like to call creative. And the booker would do the matches, and he was also referred to as the pencil. So the fact that Brian Tillman was wrestling a pencil 
you know, on ECW television, it was just a nod to the fact that he was wrestling Kevin Sullivan and how he was always, you know, going back and forth and all that. They were just kind of breaking the fourth wall, so to speak. So it was really something that, you know, you hadn't really done before in wrestling. It, it was ECW that was really revolutionizing. Little by little, they were doing things that you never saw before. And, of course, we all are very familiar with Steve Austin when he made his debut and he was dressed up like Hulk Hogan and it's all just a way of uh, him letting out his frustrations with WCW. He dressed up as Eric Bischoff once and uh, it was just, it was really cool to relive those classic moments as well as the classic matches, as I mentioned before, uh, before between Guerrero and Malenko and just how these guys just tore the house up just wrestling, just putting on phenomenal matches, nothing hardcore, nothing like you would see New Jack or Balls Mahoney with chairs or, you know, barbed wire and things like that. These guys, two wrestling technicians, and it was just uh, really great and phenomenal. And, of course, uh, one of the reasons why they wanted to introduce with this ECW Exposed and introduce it to a new audience, they uploaded 40 episodes to their vault section on the network. It's 40 episodes from ECW Hardcore TV. Now, I know we spoke to many times about the network, and there's a lot of stuff still missing from the network. As they're just uploading these 40 episodes of Hardcore TV, there's still the episodes of ECW from TNN. Those shows aren't on the network yet. I'm sure that's something they'll probably bring on later on. But right now they're doing stuff little by little to keep you, you know, wanting more and more and keep you subscribed to the network. They also included three uh, special matches that weren't on pay-per-view yet, but they are Hardcore Heaven 95, as well as November to Remember 95, Cyber Slam from 96. They also just uploaded the uh, Rise and Fall of ECW, the documentary DVD that was released I think maybe back in 2004, and that is now on the network. You can watch it in its entirety. It is a part of the Beyond the Ring section on the WWE Network. Also, that was featured on ECW Exposed. Uh, a lot of fans asked questions to Paul Heyman, and they mentioned, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, fans asked, you know, how did you get, you know, Arn Anderson uh, to appear in ECW? And then Paul Heyman mentioned again that there were several lawsuits against WCW. And again, Paul didn't want the money. He wanted the talent. He thought that he could get fans to tune in and to watch ECW if they saw stars they were familiar with, if they saw stars that they respected, someone like an Arn Anderson or a Bobby Eaton. And it just for ECW, at the time when you didn't have social media, you know, you have guys exchanging VHS tapes and just, you know, you know, exchanging stuff on that regard. And if you had social media, you know, back then, then that would have been the talk of the town. You know, Arn Anderson and ECW, everybody would have been tweeting and twatting, as Blackjack likes to say. And it was just something that was really big at the time. But uh, another thing, a fan asked Paul Heyman, who do you think was the biggest star to come out of ECW? And Paul Heyman, without a doubt, he said Steve Austin. Now, Steve Austin wasn't necessarily in ECW as long as some of the originals, like Rob Van Dam or Tommy Dreamer or the Sandman. But that little time that Austin was in ECW, when you look at what he went on to do and the fact that he sort of found his groove, 
while he was in ECW, and he developed that character and that attitude that would later be Stone Cold Steve Austin, and you go on to the fact that he became one of the top, uh, top box office draws in pay-per-view for the WWE, you know, topping Hulk Hogan. I mean, Austin, without a doubt, it's hard to argue. You know, that Steve wasn't maybe the biggest come out of ECW. When you look at everything that he accomplished after he left uh, ECW, went out to WWE. And then, of course, there was a question from a fan asking, who within today would you think would do well in ECW? And then, of course, Paul Heyman, you know, he has to plug his advocate, and he said Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, if he was in ECW's past, he would have done phenomenal. And he says there was a time where he wished he could have got his hands on him because at the time Lesnar was in the NCAA in about, uh, you know, early 2000 or so, you know, it was someone that if he wished he could have got his hands on, but, you know, he couldn't. But he said he would have done well either then, you know, the Brock Lesnar of, you know, 2000, who you know, with the, uh, the credentials and the NCAA, or the Brock Lesnar of today, who for the most part is this, you know, legit – UFC heavyweight champion in mixed martial arts. I mean, Brock Lesnar of either time period would have done really well in the old school ECW. And then fans compared what uh, Heyman did with ECW as opposed to OVW, in which he talked about how in OVW he didn't have the pressure of, you know, being completely in charge. He was just in charge of television. He was in charge of producing the talent talent like Beth Phoenix, Mickey James, Ken Anderson, and a young CM Punk, and just getting them ready for the main roster. Now, in ECW, pretty much everything fell on him. The, the advertising for the show, the arenas, the matches, the cards, and this, the wrestlers. I mean, everything fell on him. He talked about one of the biggest flaws of ECW was they didn't have an advertisement team, you know, to bring money into the company. He talked about... Uh, being on the payroll for WWE, and he said, well, he wasn't exactly on the payroll, but he did accept some uh, loans when uh, when they had to get Too Cold Scorpio, and Too Cold Scorpio was in ECW, and they had this whole cut of deal, and Vince had to give him a loan for that. There was also a time when Shane McMahon was looking to buy uh, ECW when uh, there was this whole situation that uh, WWE wanted to leave the USA Network and go to Viacom, which at the time had ECW, and that was violating them, and they kind of worked out these agreements. But Paul Heyman claims that he never took a dime from WWE and that everything that uh, he did was very on the level, and it was just loans for the company. It wasn't something – he wasn't secretly funding ECW. Uh, you know, Vince McMahon wasn't secretly funding ECW or anything like that. He talked about superstars who they thought – could succeed as I mentioned before of course Heyman said Brock Lesnar and another fan asked what other superstars would you like to see from today in ECW and of course I mentioned Brock Lesnar he said Dolph Ziggler and compared him to Shawn Michaels and Shane Douglas he said he could have been a massive star Cesaro someone who's a legitimate strong man and who's being underutilized in the WWE today and he hasn't found his right groove uh, he mentioned, of course, Daniel Bryan, and that Daniel Bryan was a part of Shawn Michaels' training camp, and how the first graduate from the Shawn Michaels' training camp was, I believe, Michael Shane, who I, I think was Shawn's uh, was his nephew or his cousin. 
But uh, Daniel Bryan was a part of that uh, wrestling camp from Shawn Michaels, and he wonders if Daniel Bryan was one of the students from Shawn Michaels' camp that visited ECW to watch Michael Shane and to watch you know, the process of getting into the company. He says there was a lot of students from Shawn Michaels' camp that would come and watch, and he's not entirely sure if Daniel Bryan couldn't have been one of those. He's another guy who he could have grabbed back then had ECW stayed in business. And again, he said, had ECW stayed in business, another superstar he probably would have grabbed. He would have grabbed CM Punk, whether he was a young CM Punk from 2000, just sort of making his name with Ring of Honor and then the independent scenes. But uh, if you had CM Punk today, he said, either version would have flourished uh, in ECW. And he even went on to defend that on Twitter and said that CM Punk is the best in the world then, now, and forever. Basically, Paul Heyman ripping the WWE slogan, then, now, and forever, and using that for Punk. And we talked about uh, how Paul Heyman said that John Cena probably would have done really well in ECW. The fact that he's a top box office draw for the last 10 years of the WWE, he has an extremely hard work ethic, and a lot of the guys in ECW back then, they worked their ass off for the company. They literally bled and they tore muscles for their company. And he said that John Cena could have been one of those guys that would have worked extremely hard. Whether or not he would have been great uh, in the hardcore elements of ECW or the wrestling elements, he said he's someone who probably would have done very well just based on just his work ethic. And uh, just uh, lots of stuff between that was really uh, great. I'm looking forward to part two, which will be tonight, which there will be more interviews, and they'll be talking because, like I said, there just wasn't enough time last week. The WWE Network had to go on to the next scheduled show, and they got cut off, but they kept the cameras rolling. And uh, surprisingly enough, they're going to air part two uh, this week, as I said, tonight. So it should be uh, very interesting to see what else fans ask Paul Heyman and to hear him and Joey Styles. Joey Styles and Paul Heyman, just seeing those guys banter back and forth. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just they have a really great relationship, and it's, it's just a lot of fun, and it really brings you back to the old days of ECW. But uh, it was a real, a real fun. And also on the W Network, as I mentioned before, uh, last night after Monday Night Raw, there was a special look at the Randy Savage DVD that is being released today that you can buy on blu-ray and on dvd but uh, the documentary they had about maybe 15 minutes or so that they aired for free uh, on the network that uh, if you subscribe to the network and you're watching for free or if you're already a subscriber it was 15 amazing minutes because it really not only looks at randy savage the wrestler but it takes you in to his personal life they have his mother is a part of the documentary and she's talking about her son as well as of course his brother randy's brother laney is there and he's talking and they showed where laney visits the tree in which uh randy savage had the car accident where he died and a lot of fans holding you know uh vigils and just uh you know macho man posters and lighting candles by the tree at the scene of the accident and it's just very touching and they go all the way to talk about randy's dad and how he was a wrestler and then of course they talk about randy how he you know was in baseball and how he was aspiring to be a big time baseball player but when then that didn't work then of course 
you know, he went into professional wrestling, and they just sort of touched about how when he made his debut with the WWE. And then, of course, they talked about when he needed a manager, and you didn't know if he was going to have Freddie Blassie or Bobby Heenan or the Grand Wizard. Uh, and to surprise everyone, he brought in his, you know, real-life girlfriend, wife, Miss Elizabeth. And uh, they have parts where various superstars, like Dolph Ziggler or even CM Punk is a part of the DVD in which they talk about Randy Savage and their effect on, on, you know, how they were affected by Randy Savage and how they became wrestlers and they were great fans of his. So there's really so much that was put into this DVD. I didn't want it to end. I was like, damn, I was so angry that it was over after 15 minutes. I wanted to keep watching. I mean, it was really well put together. So you, it's definitely something you got to check out. I'm hoping uh, it will probably be on the network maybe by next year. I don't think they're going to be putting it on uh, anytime soon now that it's just released on DVD. But it is a really solid, well-put-together documentary, and it's something you just got to see, especially if you're an old-school fan. If you're a fan of the macho man Randy Savage, you just got to check it out. Do yourself a favor and pick it up. It is awesome. Okay, well, I also want to say at hour two, our video recently did an interview with uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. I will be playing a clip from that in the second hour. Now, uh, as far as Survivor Series, um, let's all give our predictions. JJ, do you have the four matches that are available? Yes, there are four confirmed matches, but I'm sure we will see more uh, that will be announced maybe tonight on SmackDown probably a match during the kickoff. I know last week uh, Dominic said that we'll probably see Adam Rose versus the Bunny, which may be on the kickoff show. Uh, It hasn't been confirmed yet, but I'm assuming if we see that, I can only imagine that Adam Rose will, I assume, get the win if that match happens. But uh, the actual four matches on the pay-per-view feature... I'm going to disagree with you right away. I think the Bunny's going to beat the balls off of Adam Rose. He's going to take off the. He's going to take off that head, and say you don't want me as a rosebud, but I snuck in somehow, and that's just <laughs> take off the bunny costume, and we'll finally see who it is. Well, we got to see who it is. I'm not sure uh, who's going to be, but it would be good if they just put an end to it and he takes off the costume. So if the bunny beats Adam Rose, I do hope that he reveals who he is. If he's not going to reveal who he is then it would just make more sense to me to have Adam Rose just beat the bunny and be the heel finally because it doesn't make sense that now after two weeks he attacks the bunny and yet he still comes out and he's cheering and the fans are supposed to cheer him. He's attacking the bunny, but then he's still getting people to sing a song and to dance and do all this silly stuff. So I, I would just want to see him go full heel, attack the bunny, and be over with, with it. But as you pointed out, with the WWE I wouldn't surprise me to see the bunny get a victory over a wrestler. But uh, if that happens, I hope they reveal who the hell the bunny is and we can put an end to that. But, uh, I wonder if the... they're still going to go with the angle that it's Darren Young to feud with Titus O'Neil. That's what the original plan was. Well, the only problem with that is if you've seen the bunny you know, wrestle or whatever, whenever the bunny reaches out or does something, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but, well, the bunny has white arms. I know. And I, you can I, know, see I the, too. I got people that are looking at that. Is it white or is it a black guy? I mean, I don't know, but uh, but then it's a WWE, so does it really matter? I mean, you know, it most could be fans have, anybody. 
Yeah, I mean, wrestling, there's always the logic that most fans have wrestling amnesia. They forget something a, a few weeks ago. I mean, they're pushing Ryback, and they're showing footage of Ryback and Cena from a year ago, and we're supposed to forget the fact that he was a failed Paul Heyman guy and that he was with Chris, uh, you know, with Curtis Axel and yep. that they didn't yep. really go anywhere as a tag team. We're not supposed to remember that. We're just supposed to remember that Ryback's a monster and that he has a little beef with John Cena from a year ago. Everything between then, we're not supposed to remember. So it's just the yeah, thing with Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's true. The Survivor Series, the, the four main matches, it will be, of course, a Divas title match between AJ Lee defending her championship against Nikki Bella, and there's a lot of reports going on that this could be AJ's last run in the WWE when her contract is up. She could be leaving. She just upstarted a new website in which she's selling a lot of her wrestling memorabilia. Her ring gear is going to charities. So there's a lot of talk whether or not she will lose this Sunday and leave the WWE. But from what I understand, she at least is being advertised all the way till the TLC pay-per-view. So I don't necessarily think AJ is going to lose at this particular pay-per-view. Uh, will she lose later on? Will she leave the WWE? I don't know. But I think somehow uh, Brie Bella might be a distraction, and that could end up costing Nikki Bella the match, and somehow AJ could get a roll-up and beat Nikki Bella. It's something – it could happen. I don't know. There's a lot of speculation. But I think uh, AJ – will probably retain the title, but uh, who knows. Next up, uh, there's, of course, the Fatal 4-Way for the Tag Team Championships, and I kind of wish that this was an elimination tag match. Instead of a Fatal 4-Way, I wish it was a Fatal 4-Way elimination match, of course, to go with the Survivor Series theme and the elimination-style theme. Uh, This is, like I said, the 28th annual Survivor Series, and I believe the first four Survivor Series from was it 1987 to about 1990, the first four Survivor Series, those four pay-per-views were nothing but traditional elimination-style matches. There wasn't even a single one-on-one match for the first uh, four Survivor Series. It wasn't until 91, which they broke that tradition and had Hulk Hogan versus The Undertaker for the WWE Championship. So I I really wish this tag match was an elimination style. As of now, it's just going to be a regular fatal four-way first uh, victory. We'll we'll win the tag titles. But I I have to believe that Miz Dow has to win the tag titles. First off, they just released a new T-shirt for Damian Sandow. I think these guys are over, especially Damian Sandow. He's more over now than he has been his entire run in WWE. Back when even when he was Mr. Money in the Bank and he could have been the potential WWE champion, he wasn't as over as he is now as the goofy, silly stunt double. So I'm hoping they get the titles and they have a nice little run with the tag titles, which eventually leads to the split. And Damian Sandow goes off on his own and hopefully will become a big star and all this kind of silly stunt double stuff isn't for nothing. So I really hope that Miz and Sandow gets the win. Although Rhodes Brothers, uh, Gold Dust, and Stardust, you know, they're a solid tag team. They've been really great. The Usos are always exciting, always fun to watch. These guys always uh, have their adrenaline up during their tag matches. And, you know, Los Matadors, while maybe not the biggest uh, names in the group, but they're still, you know, solid performers in that ring. They're great tag team performers. 
specialists. Uh, they do have El Torito for the, the silliness. But, uh, you know, I, I'm hoping this should be a really great tag match. And that one thing that I like so that happened on Raw. What? What's the official match? It's uh, Miz, Mando, against who? Against Goldust, Stardust, versus Los Matadors, versus the Usos. It's a fatal four-way tag match for the tag team titles. Wow. Uh, I'm going to go with the Miz and uh, Miz Dow. So say you, uh, Dominic. I'm going to go with Goldust and Stardust to retain. Yeah. I'm, I don't think uh, Miz and Mizdow, I think they're too corny to be a tag team. I'd like it to right, see Black. if he lost Matadores and give it to them because they're the relatives of Carlos Colon, but mm-hmm. for some reason I don't think they're going to wind up being the tag champions. I think uh, I think Goldust and Stardust are going to retain. All right, Black Jack said he's calling from another phone. Let's see if it works this time. All right, Blackjack, you're in. Okay, how are we doing now? So far, Sounds so good. Sounds good to me. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with uh, Dominic. Okay, what about you, JJ? Well, like I said, I think with Sandow having a new T-shirt out, I think now's the time to give them the push, give them the tag title, see how far they can go with this this stunt double stuff, and then eventually put an end to it and have the split. Hey, maybe the split could happen before WrestleMania, and we could have Sandow versus The Miz. I don't know, but uh, I definitely think they're going to hold on to it and try to have it go on for as long as possible. The fans are connecting with it. From I even understand, even the boys in the back enjoy watching Sandow. So it's something that uh, it seems to be catching on. Now, whether or not they win the titles or not, I don't know. I mean, like, I, like uh, Dominic and Blackjack said, Gold Dust, Stardust, these guys every every you know, every week they produce great matches. They have their own sort of bizarre thing going on. And you know, that could very well retain the titles, but I would go with the Miz and Ms. Dow. Okay, what's the next match? The uh, next match up Dean Ambrose versus Bray Wyatt. Uh, they're trying to make this a very personal feud in which Bray Wyatt recently has uh talked about Dean Ambrose's father and how he's incarcerated in prison. They're trying to really add a lot of fire to this match. I don't know if they're really getting it on the head, but I think it should be very interesting. Of course, everyone knows Dean Ambrose as the lunatic. Everybody knows Bray Wyatt as this mystique and has this sort of weird, eerie aura about him. And they're going to try to just have a really big clash of two very strange personalities at Survivor Series. You know, I'm looking forward to the match, and I hope that Dean Ambrose looks good in it. Uh, he's going to win, unfortunately. I think they just brought Bray Wyatt back. They're trying to make him look big and creepy, and they're trying to add that mystique back that he sort of lost when he was uh, facing John Cena, and he just wasn't the same after that. He took some time off. He came back at Hell in the Cell, the surprise uh, Dean Ambrose coming out of that hologram. So I definitely think they're going to be doing whatever they can to push Bray Wyatt and to really make him just a bigger force in the WWE. Although Dean Ambrose is very hot right now. He's got the fans behind him, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I see Bray Wyatt somehow getting the win. You know what, Bray Wyatt, as am I. What about you, Dennis? 
I'm going to go with Dean Ambrose. Bray Wyatt, I think he talks a big game, but he ain't got that much the skills in the ring to to bring it. Dean Ambrose is a wild man. He's yeah. a great brawler. Yeah. And I think he's a lot better than than uh than Bray Wyatt. I'm gonna go with Dean Ambrose to take this. It should be a uh, class match. That should be the the match of the night probably, I would think. In in terms of rolling and everything. Yeah. Okay, uh so there should be one more match I guess that's supposed to be right. Yes, of course there's an out Team Cena versus the Authority, in which the winner, uh, if if Team Cena wins, the Authority is out of power, and of course, if the Authority wins, they will remain in power. But uh, this isn't the first time where you had this big sort of matchup. They've been billing it as the biggest Survivor Series of all time, and they've recently mentioned uh, Chris Jericho talked about how way back at uh, it might have been Survivor Series. Uh, where they had Team Austin versus Team Bischoff for the sort of sole uh, general manager of Raw. I believe that was in 2003. And then I think in 2001, there was the uh, the Team WWF versus the Alliance, in which they had control of the WWE. So uh, this is already going to be maybe the third time where they had this big uh match set up, which, you know, like I said, the authority could be out of power. And John Cena's team has definitely been through the ringer. Originally, we thought uh, Sheamus was going to be a part of the team, but uh, Sheamus will not compete this Sunday at Survivor Series. And in his place, of all people, will be Eric Rowan, formerly from the Wyatt family. That was uh, definitely probably one of the biggest surprises from uh, Monday Night Raw yesterday, but Team Cena will be John Cena, of course, Dolph Ziggler, The Big Show, Ryback, and as I mentioned, Eric Rowan joining Team Cena. And, of course, Team Authority features Seth Rollins, the corporate Kane, uh, Mark Henry, Rusev, and the new intercontinental champion luke harper so what makes this match if you're not already excited for this match because of the the possibility of the authority losing power i'm actually excited for this match because it's going to be the first time we ever see the wyatt family members eric rowan luke harper face to face in the ring i'm looking forward to seeing what the hell those two big guys do when they're standing across from each other that should be a uh, very interesting but uh I don't know if I see the authority losing, just because you would think if the authority is going to lose, you would do it maybe at WrestleMania, but uh, it could very well happen, and we could be in for a treat. Uh, A lot of people hate watching the authority over the last year. They open up almost every Raw. They close every Raw. They have several uh, segments throughout three hours of Monday Night Raw and on SmackDown. We've seen so much of the authority and I think fans are just hoping that we've seen the last of them. So I don't know if we're going to have a new, something new. I mean, the only thing is that if Team Cena wins, who takes over? Does Vince McMahon come out from the shadows and controls uh, the WWE again? Will they bring Teddy Long back? We don't know who's going to take over if Team Cena wins. And to me, that's exciting. The fact that we don't know, the fact that you're going to have to tune in to Monday Night Raw to see who the hell's controlling the ship. So I'm going to go with Team Cena just for that fact. The unknown is always exciting. Whenever you 
can't predict what's going to happen. If the authority wins, we know we're going to see the same old, same old Monday Night Raw, and I don't want to see the same old Raw. I want to see something new. So I'm hoping Team Cena wins. We're right back uh, on the on the team now. I think I can't see how they could lose, but you never know. Anything could happen with the authority. They always have a trick up their sleeve. But I'm going to go with Team Cena. Okay, what about you, Dominic? Well, there's a lot of things to take into consideration, like like J.J. said. Who would take over if Team Cena wins? I'd like to see it be Ric Flair. Ooh, Although I don't like John Cena, I want his team to win so we can get rid of the authority. Opening of the show, the end of the show, all the segments in between them coming out holding hands and kissing and everybody cutting promos and their henchmen and their guys doing their work for them. I think they're wasting Seth Rollins in the role that he's in. He'll never be the Tyler Black we used to know. Corporate Kane is stupid. Poor bastard hasn't won a match in months and months. He's just doing the dirty work of the authority. And, uh... As for Jamie Noble and, and, and Joey Mercury, them constantly interfering. They're, they're like the new version of uh, of the Stooges when McMahon had Patterson and and, uh, and Gerald Briscoe doing that. I'm tired of the authority week after week after week, the same shit. But maybe we'll see something <laughs> different. And I, I got a feeling in this Survivor Series match, you're going to see all the guys that are feuding with each other trying to get a piece of the other guy, like mm-hmm. Show and Mark Henry. Luke Harper, Eric Rowan. Dolph Ziggler and, uh, I don't know, Rusev, maybe. Oh, I don't know if all go. those bad guys can work together. The good guys yeah. on Team Cena we know can work together. Eric yeah. Rowan was a surprise. Yeah. I don't know what the real deal is with Sheamus. Maybe he does have uh, visa problems and he's not allowed back in uh, in and out of the country. Mm. There was no update on the websites today of this of what happened with uh, with Seamus, the story behind it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Your guess is good as mine. And so, who's your official pick, Dominic? Officially, I got a feeling since. Uh, Team Cena got the hell beat out of them on Raw. A lot of people say, well, since that happened, they got the best of them on Raw. It may be Team Cena getting the best of them at the pay-per-view. But as much as I want the authority to lose, I think they're going to wind up staying in authority. I don't want to see that, but I got a feeling that's what's going to go down. Okay, Blackjack came back with another number. Let's see. He's with this uh, blackjack. If it's not the authority in old, then it's going to be somebody in new. Maybe Vince will will come back and take over the Deranes again. That's what I feel that should happen. But um, I I think uh, we'll see everything stay the same. I don't don't really see that many uh, changes. you got so many disruptions of, of things that could happen, but it, it probably won't happen. Yeah. Well, I don't, want to, see it be, I don't want to see it be Vince coming back either. Yeah. I'd rather see it be Shane. I've been gone yeah. for a while. 
but I'm back. I'm tired of my sister, my brother-in-law, <laughs> and my father screwing things up. Now we're going yeah, to well. Shane O'Mac way. Yeah, I'd like that too. But I don't think that's happening either. Everything we like ain't going to happen. <laughs> Shane, Flair. I mean, it's like going to a Jewish deli and you want pastrami and they tell you, we don't have any. It's like, fuck you, I ain't coming back here then. <laughs> and I'll tell you, last night with all the video footage they showed of the video game, yeah, that's more exciting than Raw because you can control what happens. On Raw, you're stuck watching what they plan out for you. You got the video game. You can do whatever you want. You can make it as exciting as you want or as boring as you want. Yeah. But on Raw, I was surprised that Ryback and Cesaro didn't blow the roof off. The fans sat there like they didn't care. They were dead. Yep. See? Only Mm. a few feed me more chance, but, you know, they could have been... They could have set up two rings and had one guy in each ring and have gotten the same response. The fans didn't care. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, Team Cena. Just, uh, it's just uh, it's not really a big pick that, you know, I'm thinking long of it. It's just uh, a pick on pick. Do you okay, guys see any, det- any detention among the ranks in either team? Um, Ryback's so. on his own team. You know, Ryback says, you know, I'm on team Ryback. So Ryback, even though he's joined team Cena, he's still looking at for himself. So there, it's very possible Ryback could have a conflict with Cena. Maybe one of them wants to eliminate somebody, but the other one tags the other one in, and there could be a conflict there in which Ryback just snaps and does the shell shock to Cena. I mean, how many times have we seen Survivor Series where someone turned on someone else? Way back in 93 when Owen Hart turned on Bret Hart. Uh, I mentioned the alliance thing with Team WWF and the alliance. Chris Jericho turned on the WWF. He didn't join the alliance but he turned on the WF because he was in a heated rivalry with The Rock. So, I mean, we've seen a year after year of superstars turning on each other during the Survivor Series, not being able to work together. Team Authority, for the most part, should be working well together. Kane, Rollins should work well. Rusev, I guess, will work okay. You know, as long as he's got Lana by his side, he doesn't really care. But uh, Luke Harper says he's a team player. Luke Harper should be interesting. Uh, like I said, Eric Rowan, that whole scenario with Eric Rowan and Luke Harper, maybe Eric Rowan turns on Team Cena and helps Luke Harper. I don't know, but uh, there could be a conflict on Team Cena. We do know that Dolph Ziggler is willing to take a beating to uh, get the authority out of position, so Dolph Ziggler will be a team player. The Big Show will be a team player. He wants the authority gone. How many times Stephanie McMahon has made him cry uh, over the last year, I think Big Show definitely wants to work with uh, Ziggler and Cena. But the unpredictable elements is Ryback and Eric Rowan. We don't know uh, what they're going to do on Team Cena. And I'm surprised they gave Luke Harper the, the, the belt off of off of Dolph on Raw. That's surprising. That was probably the best match of the night, too, Ziggler and uh, Luke Harper. 
And uh, it, uh, if you want to get straight into the recap of Raw, they basically kicked off Raw. Of course, they had Team Authority and uh, Ryback. And then, of course, you had Rollins and the Stooges, and they're basically attacking Ziggler. And next thing you know, they put Ziggler in an Intercontinental title match. He's already just got his ass kicked by the Stooges and Rollins. And now here comes Luke Harper, who's the newest member of Team Authority. And he just he gave Dolph Ziggler probably one of the stiffest kicks to open up the match. I thought the match was over before it even started. But uh, they, of course, made Dolph Ziggler fight tooth and nail to uh, keep that Intercontinental title, but it didn't happen. And Luke Harper, as uh, Dominic pointed out, the new Intercontinental champion. I didn't see that coming. Uh, That was a huge surprise to me. Well, that's good when you don't see it coming and then it happens. Uh, Dominic, let's go to you for the birthdays and the Raw recap. All right, uh, today's wrestlers' birthdays, we got Ron Studd, who was Ron Reese. In WCW, trained by Big John Studd. He was the Vanilla Gorilla for a while, and then he did the Giant Yeti gimmick. And we got uh, Spider Nate Webb, who used to be on all the TNA weekly pay-per-views. We got from Japan, Manokia Mossman, who I think had a different name in the States. We got Tomakai Hanma. We got Brian Steele, Hawaiian star, who wrestles all over Japan, Tiokea. Mexican legend Liz Mark Sr. We got Rush from CMLL in Mexico. We got Grand Naniwa. Uh, we got from Lost Warriors, which was a group in AAA back in the day, Kevin. Today is his birthday. Celebrities, we got Imogene Coca, a great comic actress. Um, baseball player Gary Sheffield. Voice of baseball Alan Shepard Jr. Um, we got Elizabeth Perkins. Gorgeous Linda Evans, Owen Wilson, and Brenda Vaccaro, who at one point in her life was married to um, Michael Douglas. Today in wrestling history, November 18, 1978, loving this. Abdullah the Butcher defeated Carlos Colon in Bayamon, Puerto Rico, to win the World Wrestling Council Puerto Rican title. Got to love oh, wow. the stuff that came out of World Wrestling Council back in the day. And that report is brought to you by Dominic Lentes Hotline at 212-629-1900, updated daily. Okay, Dominic, if you'd be so kind to go over the Raw results. And the All Raw right, recap. Monday Night Raw, they were in Roanoke, Virginia, home of Tony Atlas. The authority comes out, everybody. Another very long, boring beginning. Triple H's promo talks about Vince's added stipulation that if the authority loses, they're out of power. And now the fans cheer for Vince, Triple H says. And he said the fans are like sheep. Anyway, talks about Team Cena as inmates running the asylum, formerly like they did in WCW. Stephanie (laughs) talks also about uh, Sunday's pay-per-view and talks about tonight being a big contract signing with Team Cena against Team Authority. And everybody's out there from from the team. And Stephanie then mentions Ryback, which brings Ryback out. Stephanie says that Cena is jealous of you, wanted to join Team Authority. He says, I only play for one team. I'm on Team Ryback. 
Meanwhile, Triple H makes up matches for the night, and it was Luke Harper defeating Dolph Ziggler, winning the Intercontinental title. And Lumion Garcia announced that while we were at break, they announced that it was a title match. And Joey Mercury and Jamie Noble beat up on Dolph Ziggler. Seth Rollins came in with the Money in the Bank briefcase and knocked out Dolph. Referee didn't want to start the match, but Dolph says, ring the bell, I'm ready to go. And then we got backstage, Miz and Damian Sandow with Grumpy Cat. That was the friggin' guest. And Sandow has a stunt cat, which is a stuffed cat. That was one of the stupidest things I ever saw. Tyson Kidd with Natalia defeated Adam Rose with the bunny. And we get stupider. Everybody else from the from the Rosebud Express or whatever you want to call it is out there. I don't like Tyson Kidd's new gimmick with the headphones. It doesn't make any sense. And the bunny gyrating to Natalia, which distracted Adam Rose, and he got pissed off. And then the bunny is holding on to Adam Adam Rose's waist, and it looks like, I'm going to say it on the air, it looks like he's trying to fuck him in the ass. And I'm saying, this is wrestling? This isn't even good comedy. Then Bray Wyatt's in the ring with a promo, and Dean Ambrose is on the big screen. And we've seen this a million times. He said he's seen all of Bray Wyatt's magic tricks that he wants, and he learned a trick of his own. And he says, I filmed this earlier on my friend's cell phone. I'm really out in the arena looking for you. So that's basically saying, this was taped ahead of time. Here I come. And we get a brawl. They announce next Monday night on Raw, one of my comic heroes, Larry the Cable Guy. Get it in. So that should be good. That should be funny because Larry is a funny guy. And we're told Dolph Ziggler was taken out of the building because of an injury, which brings us to Ryback and Antonio Cesaro. John Cena watching on the monitor. Ryback wins. No fan reaction whatsoever. They couldn't care less. Renee Young then interviews John Cena. Rusev comes out with Lana. Lana cuts a promo saying that she has a photo of herself topless. And what we, because we all drool over Kim Kardashian. And what do we get? A photo of Vladimir Putin with no shirt on riding a friggin' horse. Oh, no. Yeah. So out comes Heath Slater dressed like a circus act in a red, white, and blue outfit with tails and a top hat representing America. He gets in the ring with Rusev, and Rusev beats the hell out of him in like a couple of minutes. There went that match. Then we're backstage with Miz and Sandow with the grumpy cat again, and Eric Rowan shows up and says, I want that cat. Corny as hell. Lots of plugging for the video game and the network. Then we get Big Show coming out for his match. Stephanie comes out and wants Big Show to leave Team Cena, go with Team Authority, and they'll put him in the Hall of Fame, even though he's still an active wrestler. Sheamus comes out and interrupts. Stephanie tells Sheamus, you got problems of your own. You got visa problems. You might be deported. So she puts, as a punishment, Big Show against Sheamus. And the winner gets a world title shot, which to me means nothing 
because there is no champion as far as I'm concerned. Big Show wrestled Sheamus to a no contest when Rusev and Mark Henry came out, and Rusev put the accolade on Big Show, who passed out, and Mark Henry put Sheamus through through a table, the announce table. A mess again. And then they showed on the screen Fandango with his new dancing partner, Rosa Mendez, Wade Barrett, and Paul Heyman. They're going to be at the pay-per-view kickoff show. Brie Bella comes out to A.J. Lee's music, and it's Brie defeating Nikki. And they called it an exhibition match. She won with a distraction from A.J. Then A.J. celebrated with, with Brie, only to beat up Brie and Nikki. Oh, and good Lord. Uh, we saw New Day videos with Kofi Kingston, and this time we saw one with Big E Langston. And then we're backstage, John Cena walks in on Ryback and asks him if he gave much thought to being on Team Cena. And again, Ryback says, I'm on my own team. I'm Team Ryback. And Cena tells him, for somebody that's always hungry and is now ready to sit at the big table, you don't seem like you're hungry. Then we got Goldust and Stardust teaming up with Miz and Damian Sandow, and they beat Los Matadores with Torito and the Usos. Uh, Sheamus, they said then, was taken to a nearby hospital because he went to the announce table. And then the authority comes out, the whole team, all the participants in team authority. Um, And I noticed something with Triple H. I don't know if you guys picked it up. But he looked like something was bothering him, like he couldn't say his words, like he almost forgot what he had to say, or maybe he didn't feel good. I don't know. That's the impression I got. But then we get a promo by Stephanie. She calls out John Cena and bring out what's left of your team. So, of course, Cena comes out alone because everybody got beat up. And the fans are in the audience that Cena goes to, and he said, even if I got to pick people out of the audience to be on my team, I'll do it. He finds two kids, a guy in a sailor hat, and he said, this guy looks like Captain Steubing. I'm going to pick him, and a guy dressed as a nun. So he says, I'm picking nun boy, Captain Steubing, and them two kids, and I'll still beat the authority. Then Stephanie slaps Cena. Cena wants to fight, and they all look like they're ready to charge him. Before there's a fight, Ziggler comes out and stands by Cena. Show comes out and stands by Cena. And the surprise is Eric Rowan comes out and stands by Cena. And they're saying, we're still a man short. And out comes Cesaro. Cesaro just teased John Cena, stood by authority, and started laughing. Triple H gets face-to-face with Ryback, who shows up next. And as he's face-to-face with Ryback, Cena puts Triple H through a table with the attitude adjustment. So it looks like Ryback is on Team Cena. They made it official. Every All the good guys standing there with their hands raised to end Monday Night Raw. And just for the hell of it, the Raw dark match was John Cena and Dean Ambrose teaming up to beat Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt. Unreal. Unreal. Yep. What do you give it on a scale of one to, one to ten? What do you give it one to ten? Well, as Ed Norton would say, three. The last part was the best part of the show with the contract signing and everybody beating the hell out of each other. They could have put that on a half-hour show 
and let us watch baseball highlights on ESPN Classic. That show was rotten last night. JJ, your thoughts on Raw, the first, the ups, and then the downs. Yeah, as Dominic pointed out, this is the go-home Raw, the big Raw before the pay-per-view. You want to sell it. You want everyone to be tuning in to Survivor Series. And while they did promote the, you know, the whole Team Authority, Team Cena, the rest of the three hours, I mean, you could have just done with one hour. You could have just started with the Ziggler-Harper, the opening there, and then maybe the eight-man tag with Los Matadors, the Usos, uh, Rhodes Dust and Mizdow, and then of course the last final segment, and that could have been Monday Night Raw, and that would have been a pretty good show. But it's just the filler, the two hours in between was just unbelievable. Uh, as they pointed out, of course, the authority kicking off the show like usual. I I enjoyed Dolph Ziggler, you know, fighting. I thought he was going to easily retain the title. The fact that Luke Harper won, it was a shock to me, and it makes me curious what they're going to do next with Luke Harper. They're always pushing that, you know, Harper's going to be this big thing. He's the breakout star in the Wyatt family. Uh, I think WWE.com even did a a feature where they talked about the future of the WWE. And, of course, Luke Harper was one of the guys they said that is the future of the WWE. So it seems that whatever they got planned for him, it should be big. He's the Intercontinental Champion. Hopefully he puts some prestige back to the title, makes it mean something again. So I'm looking forward to what they do there. Uh, Adam Rose and Tyson Kidd, I like Tyson Kidd. He's an excellent wrestler. Uh, The thing with his character that it's hard for WWE fans to get because if you watch NXT on the network, you'll understand – why Tyson Kidd wears the headphones and why he is this whole character and the facts. It's something that he does on NXT. So if you're a you don't get it. But oh, no wonder. That, yeah, and the whole thing with the headphones is that, as I mentioned before, you know, Tyson Kidd and Natty, they kind of had this weird relationship that it reminds me of Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth back when Savage was a heel and he was kind of mean and he was always sort of nasty to Miss Elizabeth and bossing her around. Well, they'll have it on NXT where Tyson Kidd, he doesn't like when Natty speaks for him or when she, like, asks or begs for matches for him. So he'll just put the headphones on to tune her out. So that sort of has been his signature on NXT. He always wears the headphones. It's his way to just t- turn her out and to not listen to her. And uh, just it's just, again, to make him just a big jerk. So that's why he wears the headphones. That's why sometimes you'll even see him tweeting on his phone. He'll pull his phone out, and he'll just go on his phone as opposed to talking to his wife. It's just yeah, to I've make seen him- that too. But yeah, I think, so that's- I think Tyson Kidd is too good for NXT. He's al- he was already on the main roster. Why was he demoted? Well, the, the fact is, on NXT, they let him wrestle. They don't let him wrestle in the WWE. The match up with Adam Rose, do you call that a wrestling match? This match with Adam Rose was not a wrestling match. His match with Sami Zayn in NXT, that was a wrestling match. His match with Adrian Neville for the NXT Championship, that was a wrestling match. The fact that he's demoted, it does suck. It, it almost seems like a punishment. But if you're a wrestling fan you're actually watching this guy wrestle for once, and you're seeing why he's so great and why he's another person who's being underutilized by the WWE, and yet you watch him in NXT, and he's a great talent. He could be one of their top talents in NXT, but on WWE, he's a joke. He's nothing. Nobody cares. 
And it's just. And what about the other guy that they were going to team him up with? I feel I always forget his name now. Justin Gabriel. That's right. He's still in NXT. You could watch Justin Gabriel in NXT. He's not necessarily a heel to the level that Tyson Kidd is over there, but he wrestles occasionally. He does some uh, phenomenal moves. He's a great athlete. He's, He's excellent. Yeah, and you you could see him wrestle on NXT. In fact, this past uh, week on NXT was just a phenomenal show. You want to talk about a phenomenal show? We just talked about Nikki Bella wrestling uh, her sister Brie. Of course, Brie was dressed up as AJ. That match was maybe two minutes long, and mm-hmm. that match wasn't much of a match. Yet, if you watch NXT, NXT did the same thing. They had a two-minute match between Sasha Banks and Alexa Blitz. Two-minute matches, and yet, for some reason, the Sasha Banks match was just great. Sasha Banks is another tremendous talent in NXT. She has this beautiful finishing maneuver where she just does this sort of neck breaker, and she rolls over into like a cross face. It's just a beautiful uh, finishing move. She's a great athlete, tremendous ta- uh, talent, as I said. It's the difference. It's um, it's un. Unbelievable how you can have a two-minute match in NXT, which looks beautiful, and have a two-minute match on Monday Night Raw, and it'd be a complete disaster. I don't get that. But for some reason, it works on NXT. I don't know if it's because it's more intimate, it's a smaller arena, it's a smaller production, but it's just something about NXT that when you watch it, it just feels like a more of a wrestling show as opposed to the whatever variety hour the variety three hours that you get on Monday Night Raw. But, uh, again, like I was saying about Tyson Kidd, his character is based on NXT. The whole thing with Adam Rose, I didn't get that at all. I understood that Adam Rose was kind of jealous of the bunny, and that's its own bizarre story. But the fact that the bunny, for some apparent reason, decided to waist-lock Adam Rose and hump him, I was just at a loss for words. I, I couldn't think of a single thing. I, I was just speechless. I was absolutely numb that how the hell, and first of all, this is a PG show. How, how do you get away with this bunny man humping this guy on television, and then he runs off on the stage, and he's just humping the air? Yep. That You can do that on a PG show? I'm, I'm completely baffled. I didn't know you can do that on a PG show, but it it was one thing that was just stupid. It just didn't make any sense. I and then Heath understand Slater those. got bleeped. Heath Slater mm-hmm. got bleeped when he said something. I think he said "son of a bitch." Yeah. And 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 he got bleeped. That's true. That was uh, later on. Of course, there was that altercation between Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose, and uh, Dean Ambrose saying, "Oh, I'm using the old pre-recorded video on my buddy's cell phone trick," and then he appeared and beat up uh, Bray Wyatt. Then we have, of course, that match between Ryback and Cesaro, which went way too long. It was maybe two segments. They had two commercial breaks or something. The match itself was just hard to watch. I don't know why, because Cesaro is excellent. Cesaro is a freak of nature. There was a a moment in the match where he actually powerbombed Ryback. Somehow he got the strength to hold Ryback up and just threw him down in a powerbomb, and it was a, a great move. The fans could care less. They were bullying. They weren't necessarily bullying, but they were just dead. In fact, they weren't chanting Ryback. They were barely chanting Feed Me More. They were chanting for Goldberg. That's when I knew that was a complete disaster. Because ever since Ryback came back, 
the fans were chanting for Ryback. They were chanting, feed me more. They were into him. And last night on Raw was the first time I heard the Goldberg chants back, and I knew that that was it for Ryback. And it makes me wonder what they're going to do with him. Is it just that uh, that crowd was just maybe just not into it? Is this going to happen now on his future matches? Because if from now on the fans start chanting Goldberg and aren't behind Ryback, that that's not good for Ryback. You want people no, to be not. behind him. But uh, that, that match, I just I feel bad for both guys. The crowd wasn't into it. I don't know if the chemistry was lacking, but it just it just was hard to sit through. And now, of course, as you were talking about the next up, Rusev and Heath Slater. I saw on social media Heath Slater had a picture on Instagram or whatever of him dressed as Uncle Slam. No, Uncle Slam. Uncle Sam. And I just thought, is he going to go out like that? Is this like a joke because they're on the USA Network or whatever? I didn't even know he was going to wrestle Rusev. But sure enough, they bring Heath Slater out, dressed up like Uncle Sam, and as Dominic pointed out, he just flat out called him a son of a bitch. And I don't know if Rusev was too slow. I don't know if he was supposed to kick him before he said bitch. But the fact that he didn't and, you know, Heath Slater just had to go with it, he just called him a bitch. And they had to, well, like I said, it's PG, and they had to bleep him. But uh, it was something that I don't know if Rusev just didn't react quick enough or I don't, I don't know. It was just a very weird moment, and Heath Slater, the poor guy, he just comes in here, gets destroyed. They don't use him. They don't even care about him. And it's just, it's really sad. And, I read today uh, he, Heath Slater may be coming out with a different costume each week. Now, if they oh, do that, that's what they did with Sandow. Yeah, that's basically what they did with Sandow. And the difference is, it didn't really help Sandow necessarily until he got the stunt double thing. Once he did the stunt double thing, the fans started responding. Because there were times when Sandow was imitating various celebrities, various wrestlers, and the fans didn't really care. There was a time where he came out like a ballerina. That was horrible. Yeah, they did a ballerina, he did a football player, he did basketball players, he did wrestlers, and sometimes the fans would cheer him, but other times the fans could care less. But yep. then when he did the stunt double routine, they started to get into it. The fact that you have it where, as this particular match on Raw, they had it where Miz wanted to, you know, he was wrestling whoever, and the fans were chanting Sandow. So, of course, Miz went to tag Sandow, and, of course, the place erupted. Yep. But then Miz quickly tagged himself back in, and the crowd just booed. They just yep. booed yep. all over the yep. Miz. That's the way it should be done. That's how you build Miz as a heel. He gets heat with the fans, and that's how you get the fans to get angry at the Miz and to cheer and be louder for Sandow. And I don't think Keith Slater, I think he's a hard worker. He's a great guy. He could do some really interesting things for the WWE, but to come out every week as a different character, I don't think it's going to work for him. I don't know if the fans are going to get behind him. Like I said, it took Sandow becoming a stunt double to finally get over. Because if Sandow was still doing that every week, every week, he probably would have been released by now. And I hate to say that could have happened to Heath Slater if he doesn't get some momentum or the fans behind him, because he's a really great talent. Uh, he's an excellent performer. He really makes anyone he works with look golden. But uh, I just I just hate to see him come out with that same gimmick, especially if we just saw it like not too long ago with Sandow. It seems like pretty soon to do it again with another guy. But, uh, well, whatever. She would have uh, the three-man band gimmick. Yeah. Um, the reason why I heard they kept 
this guy, Heath Slater, is because he just became a father, and McMahon didn't want to look like a prick. Mm. But he let Jinder Mahal go, and Jinder Mahal is tearing it up. He's in a World Wrestling Council in Puerto Rico. They showed a lot of video highlights of him. He's doing moves that I never saw him do. (laughs) And then, of course, Drew McIntyre is Drew Galloway, and he's all over the Indies. He wrestled a few times over the weekend. And there's photos on WrestlingFigs.com. You can see him there. Bobby Morenin took those pictures. All great action shots. And that's what Drew McIntyre can do. Only WWE would never let him do it. The three-man band was a dead-end street to oblivion. They weren't going nowhere with that. No. But now they got recently instead of making him, you know, a... uh shoot info on a video and uh, they released uh, a portion of it. It is very uh, graphic and it's uh, somewhat interesting. So as promised, here is Rowdy Rowdy Piper uh, shooting it away. Rowdy Rowdy Piper, courtesy of our video. Let's take a listen. I wanted to be a psychologist. I really did. And uh, wrestling, I just accidentally fell into and uh, the reason I don't give him recognition is because I guess I challenged him and he beat me up and then I challenged him again in an alley and he beat me up and then again someplace beat me up, he said three times. And I found it quite interesting. He told me, excuse me, he told the public that uh, I was 16 years old in 1973 and he's got the program to prove it. I was born in 1954, <laughs> so the math don't add up there, but let's just even assume, just for the fun of it, the announcer didn't know who I was, he knew it was Roddy, and he said, and here comes all these bagpipers. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, what do you want to call him, Larry? <laughs> yeah, I know what I like to call you. Roddy <laughs> the Piper, and the, the just got dropped, and I don't know where the Rowdy came from. Lord Elkhase grabs me, put me aside. Don't you ever! Tell a promoter you had a bad match. They never watch them. They're counting the money. When you ask, when you're asked, just say, it was great. Could have heard that heat in Tokyo. It's not your downside. And they're happy. Don't be so stupid. Neil Garavoli comes up to me and says, kid, I'm going to give you your first break. Fucking A. <laughs> so, so he says, I, I said, okay, what are we going to do? He says, he says, Roddy, they're going in against, it was a guy's name was Johnny Rods, and he was wrestling this Jabba Rook. Okay, and he, ooh, 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 and he couldn't die. He didn't do interviews. He says, I want you to go in the ring with this guy and let him beat the crap out of him. Don't hit him one time, no offensive move, and then once he's beat the crap out of you, I want you to let him pin you solid. One, two, three. Where's the break? <laughs> I'm in the ring, and Buddy Rose snatches my kilt, and he goes up to the crow's nest, and he lights it on fire. And, boom, I'm up to the crow's nest, and I'm putting it out, and it's just on TV. So it starts playing. But when by the time they get to it, it's about a quarter after 12, midnight. There's nobody in the building. Here come the fire engines. Somebody was watching it, calling it, Damn, man, there's a fire there. We would have get down there. Woo! <laughs> I come in the building, what the, you know, going on? I uh, had, uh, I think, I can't remember, a two-year contract, and they just fired me. I remember this next day, some referee kind of, you know, knocking on my door and slipping it under my door and running away. And, and then somebody, let's just put it this way, somebody turned me into the IRS at the same time. Right. And it just 
uh, I guess we used to have a terminology called blackball, and that's when I started going over to San Domingo with Flair and San Juan with Flair. This is starting the war, and I got to give Jimmy Crockett a lot of credit here. All of a sudden, Jimmy Crockett calls me in the office one day, and he says, Vince McMahon Sr. just called and, and wants to use you. Most promoters would have just drug you along and threw you the bone at the end. And I, I did the honorable wrestler thing. I get my notice now, thank you. And, and I went up. Blondie was quite hot back then. And for a rock and roll celebrity or to throw you a wrestler's name was like, I remember sitting on the couch like, we never had that kind of attention. That was the kind of like the negative bottom line scoop on me. Wasn't big enough to be the world's champion. Uh, and I, I guess student meetings was considered, considered. And that was something that I fought really hard against. And if we look at it now, it actually dictated the style that I do. Because that need, I needed to get in the ring and make people believe that, you know, I'm going to have some kind of a shot against Andre. Um, or something's going to happen there uh, with Holden. I just simply said, it's, there's so many guys, man. And everybody is going on TV, and the way they're trying to get over, they're, they're killing each other. Boom, boom. Yeah, they got to pay for that. I said, you give me a bow tie and a munch stand five weeks, if I don't get the job done, I'll get up. And the next time TV, there was a Piper's Pit, that, the one that we know. Uh, the Andre Hogan going to WrestleMania 3, I had a big problem with. Uh, and Andre was going to rip the cross off Hogan, and I, and I caught wind of it, and I wanted nothing to do with it. And she comes up to me, Big Pop Dottie gives the chief, once the concession closes down, he goes and eats all the free hot dogs, he doesn't have to buy dinner. So he goes and, uh, Rodney, Rodney, I hate Rodney, my name's Rodney Coward. Rodney, have you uh, ever seen anybody with a coconut? I don't know, let me look it up here, you know, garbage, can, can, no, Jamie. And that's all he said to me. Dave Wolf. Cindy Lauper's manager uh, wanted to manage me at that time. And Dave Wolf was a driving force in putting the whole rock and roll connection together. Uh, put me in a video called The Goonies uh, that Cindy was doing, the movie for the video for, I'm not sure. And, uh, you know, actually got to this point here where Dave Wolf comes up to me and asks, he says, and grab this one. He says, you know, can you kick Cindy in the head and not her? This is the female vocalist of the year in the world. And you're giving this kind of, you know. Um, I, that was the, like, the big question. Uh, are they going to hot shot the world and are going to die in two? And I was one of those, that, it ain't never going to last. Get it while you can, it ain't never going to last. Uh, get it while you can, and uh, here I am. As I came in, I pulled the pictures, I said something, put away, and Mr. T goes, really, you know, and so I looked at him, and I squeezed his head, and I said, it was pretty soft. I didn't know you weren't allowed to touch Mr. T. It's a contractual thing. You can't touch him. Well, when I, when I squeezed it, they, the reports, you know, Al Piper says, you know, no brains or however they put it. And so that I just doing an interview about Mr. T, and I said, and they asked me about Mr. T, and I said, well, you go figure this. You know, I figured that slavery was a terrible thing, and I was so happy it was abolished, and Abraham Lincoln and all the history you have, and, and as soon as they make the slaves free, what does Mr. T do? Put chains around his neck. You know, I just can't figure it. Holy cow. Here come NBC, and so that was like, and then that's, McMahon took, if it was Hogan versus Piper on the marquee, 
he just quietly put the WWF. And of course, those people at that time came to see Hogan Piper, but as they trained him, it was the WWF coming to town. And what that enabled him to do was, you know, he, he wanted to get rid of the guys that cost that much money, or the ones that would buck back, and get a control. And eventually he just got the WWF is coming, no particular one name. And now he pays them what he pays them. And he just came, his head was here, just, just kind of toying, and I looked over at McMahon, and McMahon kind of smiling, yeah, you can handle them. And that was about it. I remember that one. Uh, and I remember McMahon saying after the match, why didn't you take him out? <clears throat> why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I would love to. What he would do is he would come into Jersey here, let's say, and he would put up a card, uh, Hulk Hogan, and he would just make one mistake in the letter. And of the letter of his name. And then all these people would come to the matches and it wouldn't be, they're all imposters. And then boom, and he'd take the money and he'd be gone and the guy that owned the territory would be stuck on. And it, the territory would die. So he, that's why he was feared. Well, <laughs> as the story goes, when he got to New York, he did it in Madison Square Garden, the old, old garden. And it's been said that the old man senior that afternoon went to all the ushers, gave all the ushers $100 bills, said, excuse me, Don Rocco and myself got out and said to Bob Orton, who lifted up, hit, you know, hit the gas. Well, around the train track is these like rocks about this big, right? The wheels are on the grip. So there's our, and then the rocks are hitting us like 22 bullets. And, you know, it wasn't going nowhere. And just show you how we weren't thinking, all of a sudden, Ooh, <laughs> hey, come here, this should be, this should be interesting. Now he says you're better. And here was this train coming, and there was that car. I don't know how Bob got away. However, Morocco and I come into the hotel lobby, and there's cops all over the place. And what, what? Now, Orton, the hotel, the hotel has the floors go Each floor, you can look down and see all the nice hotel. And so, somehow Bob got in bed on, let's say, the sixth floor. And he hears a commotion, and Bob's still being a little froggy. He's, he's naked. And he opens, he opens the door, and with his pinky, with his foot, uh, touches the door, and he yells out, Shut the fuck up down there, I'm trying to sleep. Click. <laughs> the police look up, see a naked man, a black gentleman and a white gentleman come on up, and the black cop shot him three times with, in the tummy. Morton Downey Jr. Uh, was the, yeah, everybody knew he was going to WrestleMania, and he said something like, I haven't read the script yet, they're gonna, I'll be in and out of there. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I see, and so, I had just got back, I, I tell you the first thing, that some people come up to me, and they had some dogs there, smelling, drowning, you know. <laughs> so uh, these young guys come running, and run up, what were you supposed to do? Well, put it up high. It's hard for them to jump and sniff, okay? <laughs> Jeez, that was the first statement coming into Trump Plaza. Then there was Donald Trump in the elevator, so, so what do you think is going to happen tomorrow? I don't know, Donald, we're just going to end. So now Morton Jr., Morton Lee's in the ring, and uh, there's a fire extinguisher, but it was bled, except for this one, one, it was bled, except for this one button, so it wouldn't shoot too far. Brother loves what it was, and I got to Morty, Morton, and uh, he's blowing the smoke, but he had this 
this attitude, this real like you know carnival, yeah. And so I got I got the fire extinguisher, and I will I just I hit him with a heart, pushed the button. What everybody didn't know, Vince didn't know nothing about wrestling. It was Pat doing the wrestling. Uh, one day I'm in, I'm in Hershey, and uh, Pat isn't around, and I'm talking to Vince on the phone, and he's trying to lay something out. It is so ass backwards. I did uh, Philadelphia that night. I changed around, and that's when I realized what what this guy was doing and what front. He, then the next thing he did was when Jesse sued him, uh, Jesse Ventura sued him. Everybody in the check it said something like Jesse Ventura won a lawsuit for nine hundred and fifty-seven thousand dollars. Da 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 da. What that meant was. Yeah, he won it. Why don't you try, asshole? Because I'll eat. Uh, yeah, what? What about it? We're not going. So we're not going to guard it as a secret, because then you're thinking of power. So they're psych psychology-wise, they're they're playing this game now. Vince uh, is starting to get a little more on the evil side in controlling people. Vince got vicious when we went to the WCW. So the bottom line for Vince was, well, I really don't want to hire you, but don't go against me. The WCW wrestlers, right? they're talking about the WWF wrestlers. And the guy got the WWF wrestler. You bunch of geeks. We're all on the same side. They're the promoters. God bless them. I hope they make all the money. But that's the way it was, where the wrestlers themselves were knocking the other league. Uh, I think that's the height of Markism. <laughs> what you'll do is you'll come, nobody will know it, and then all of a sudden there you'll be to take on the new blood, and the only piece or only people will tell is travel. All right, well, that's where everybody gets their information from there, Eric. I said on the phone to Eric, I said, Eric, I tell you, you know, I mean, I'll do that if that's what you want, but I think I have something that'll work better. He says to me, can you have a treatment on my desk by Wednesday? Well, uh, a treatment is a word used in the movie industry. So, and that, that'll tell you where Russo and Bischoff were trying to use, they were using WCW as a stepping stone to be big time producers. Well, you're thick skinned, are you? Oh, thick skinned. They said everything they can about us, you know. Well, that's good. All right. Well, I'll see if I can get. Well, what are you going to say? I don't even say What are you going to say? Well, I said, well, you guys were writing for two years in New York, then you must be the motherfucker that killed my cousin Owen Hart. A sweat, I swear. Beads, a bead of sweat went pow right there within try not to exaggerate three minutes Bush Russo this kid Sullivan sorry, please don't say this oh I have your attention now do I Russo okay now there's shit you're gonna be able to do about it because we have a rule when I'm in the ring and the lights on I don't give a fuck what you told me I'm the boss or would you like to get along He's sitting there and he starts trying to water this interview down. He's being clever. And well, maybe you could just say, I wasn't going to say it anyway. I love my cousin. Uh, and I had called Brett after and told him, You want to hit the music? You know, we're just talking a little production, getting too. Yeah, you want to hit the music here? Now, when they hit the music, Mike Tanay, who knew nothing, when, well, who who could that be? Now, people right away said, well, who do you think it is? It's bagpipes. But if you look at Mike Kinney as the announcer and how helter-skelter that was, of course you thought, but what if he had said that as the announcer? And it wasn't. He sincerely didn't know. 
So, but people went right out, well, who did you think it was? It ended up to be me, but you go in that position. And what if you, oh, here comes Piper and Sky Local. <laughs> you know, you look pretty stupid. They were wonderful. They uh, were so much talent and so eager and they were so polite that um, yeah, I'm proud of them. They're a great generation. It's just too bad they wouldn't let them have their own talent instead of try to write it for them. And I said, listen, if you miss something, just do it again. We can edit it. Time! <laughs> no, that's the beauty of our business. It's one take. You know, if you miss it, you have missed it. And all the guys there are trying so hard, but everything is coming out of one mouth, which makes the entire commodity flatline. Oh, man. Baby faces are boring people. <laughs> I'm a heel. <laughs> I was born a heel. I'm a, you get me in the barbed wire. I'm all hanging around. The police come up. You jump up. I grab the cop's gun, huh? And I shoot you dead. That way we'll show we've gone too far. <laughs> Terry. <laughs> and it, it's here. <laughs> These kids are like, I gotta get this right. Oh, I have another one. He says, you know, I come down in this truck about 80, huh? And you just come into this, not much, just come in and I just run right over you. Okay, Jerry. <laughs> if it wasn't for you folks, I'd be dead. Legendary Rowdy Rowdy Piper, JJ, what's your thoughts on what you heard? Oh, wow. I mean, Rowdy Piper, if there's anyone you can listen to, and God knows the stories that he has over his illustrious career, Rowdy Piper could tell you things that uh, um, can make your jaw drop. And <laughs> that was definitely a pretty hell of a, an interview in which he talked about breaking in. He talked about Johnny Rods. He talked about, you know, the, the lighting, the, the, the kilt on fire, bringing the fire department over, and uh, Vince Sr., and then talking about, uh, of course, uh, the lead-up to WrestleMania and Andre and Hogan and ripping the cross and how that was such a big deal back then, and he didn't want any part of it, and yet he was trying to find something that could make him stand out, and then that's when he thought about the coconut with Jimmy Snuka, and that eventually became one of the most iconic moments when Piper hit Snooker with the coconut. And then, of course, you know, that whole the rock and wrestling connection with Cindy Lauper and just uh, just having him just really becoming this big, huge heel and the heat he had with uh, Mr. T and everything that went on uh, during that time and all the matches that came from it. And uh, it's just some stuff you, you really, when he talked about, not just the talent being on the marquee, but whenever the WWF was in town, they wanted to make sure that the WWF was on marquee. It was the WWF that was the star, the star promotion. And it's just uh, so much. And uh, some some crazy times with uh, Bob Orton in the hotel room, uh, the whole Trump Plaza, I mean. Uh, and then just him going on talking about Pat Patterson. We've all discussed Pat Patterson being, you know, Vince's right-hand man. He's practically Mr. Wrestling. Whenever there's a situation, the guys talk to Pat, and Pat could come up with a solution instantly, where as Vince, Vince might be a little ass-backwards, and, you know, he wouldn't know what to do in that scenario. That's why Patterson has always been his right-hand man for how many years now, and he's still over there, and he's still the the guy to, to talk to and to learn from when it comes to wrestling. 
and just to how to put a match together and how to end a match and just to, just the even flow of, of a putting a match together and there's nobody who knows it better than than Pat. But uh, and then you know you talked about the times where Vince Vince could be as evil as they come. Uh, the stuff that he's done over the years, the ruthless things behind the scenes. But uh, the whole thing with, you know, if you're against me with this whole WCW thing, you know, we, we often talk about the Monday Night War. And uh, I think a lot of people are so used to that term. I mean, hell, they even got a show on the network called the Monday Night War. And to us, you know, maybe it, it's we're so used to that term that it's kind of lost its uh, appeal. It's like, oh, it's just the Monday Night War, you remember. But really, back then in the 90s, it really was a war. It was these guys fighting for their livelihoods, fighting to stay in business and not to go out of business and losing their jobs. These guys were really on a mission, and Vince was as, probably as cutthroat as uh, he could have been in telling stars, hey, you know, don't you know, go against me. Don't jump ship to WCW. And, you know, when they did, you know, Vince didn't want anything to do with those guys. He wanted nothing to do with them. He didn't promote them. He didn't talk about them. They just kind of quickly, he threw them under the rug. It's just they didn't exist. But uh, it's just uh, so many things that, uh, and even just talking about, of course, the the passing of uh, Owen Hart and the issues he had with Vince Russo. And, you know, you know, a lot of wrestlers will say, in that ring, it's like uh, it's like being on a, a drug. There's a feeling that is indescribable for wrestlers when they're in the ring, when they're inside the ring competing. They're the boss. You know, there might be a script and there might be some choreography, but in that ring, you know, they're the ones that decide. They're the ones that control the fans and they control the situation and they get that you know real high from uh, just that wrestling and being able to control the audience. And there's nothing like it. They're the boss in the ring. You can have them say whatever. You can have them do the stupidest things imaginable. But when you get a wrestler in the ring, the wrestler's the boss. The wrestler's the one putting on these tremendous matches and making it look unbelievable. But it's just so much. And, of course, he talked about uh, being a heel. Of course, you know, heels are always uh, very entertaining. They're a lot of fun. They have no rules. They can do almost anything and get away with anything. And, of course, the good guys, the baby faces, they have to play by the rules. They're kind of boxed in. We've seen that with John Cena. He's the ultimate good guy. He's Super Cena. He's boxed in. He can't break out of this box. He's appealing to the kids, to the PG demographic. And we've seen the same thing over and over again, and people are tired of it. Well, Piper... You know, Piper was never boxed in. He was always that guy who lived on the edge. And, uh, you know, he showed that throughout his career. He was always a wild one. He was always a lot of fun to watch. And he's definitely a legend. Absolutely. Dominic, your take. Uh, Piper will and always will be one of my favorites. And uh, I remember the Piper's pit where Andre the Giant says, I challenge you to WrestleMania three. And Jesse was in shock, and they did pull the cross off Hogan. And I remember Piper going, "You're you're 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 bleeding, you're bleeding." Yeah. And uh, Piper being in California and wrestling a guy Javaruk, of course Johnny Rods, and Piper was like a, a manager wrestler, did both, and right. He even wrestled under a mask as the masked Canadian. And everybody was... And he did commentating. 
Everybody was supposed to think, oh, I don't know who this mystery guy is, but it was Piper. And when he was as the masked Canadian, what was funny is he teamed up with Black Gordman. And he acted like he was a Spanish guy under the mask and pulling Black Gordman toward him to whisper in his ear. And then Black Gordman would be saying it in Spanish as though the masked Canadian was a Spanish guy. In reality, it was Piper, and Black Gordon was just reading a script of what he was supposed to say. And Java Rook as Johnny Rods, that was that was great. That was great. He always got disqualified. Yes. Yes. One person who knows about Johnny Rods is Bart Jack. Let me try to let him in. Hopefully those noises won't return. Um, Bart Jack. Yeah, King. Okay, I'll let you back in. Uh, what's your thoughts on Piper interview? One of the best of all times. Oh, Piper's still kicking it. You see him on these two two TV shows? Which TV shows? They got these new uh, two TV shows that he's making a, an appearance on. Ooh. It's on the, on, on the station that has that carbonaro effect. You up on that? Not Everybody sure if I heard of that. Brother Tom, where you at? I'm right here, bro. You seen uh, any of the two TV shows? No, have, no. Uh, What's TV? the name of these shows? Ah, man. They got all kinds of shows on this two TV I've been catching up on. Uh, oh, that's the name of the network. No, I don't know if we. I don't know if I get that. They here. got these uh, impractical jokers. They had Tommy Dreamer on that show too. Oh, I heard of the show Practical Jokers. Yeah, all right. Yeah. And then they got that lizard lick. They got they had Flair on there. Oh, oh lizard lick throwing. Oh, yeah, I know what that is. The guy on there looks like Dustin. Yeah. 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 So a lot of like Piper, he's been uh, showing up on on these shows as, as well, you know. Oh, so they, okay. They have another life beyond wrestling, it, it, it seems. You know, they got their other outlet that they uh, get themselves involved with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rowdy Piper was on two episodes of Always Sunny on Philadelphia on FX. Yeah. Oh, oh, he was on that show. Yeah, with Danny DeVito and, uh, yeah, them. So, yeah, uh, Roddy Piper. DeVito is excellent. Uh, that's interesting. Well, uh, let's see. The Salamonster had some. Chavo Guerrero and Sexy Star, intergender tag team match against the Son of Havoc from last week, and Ivelisse. It was good to see Ivelisse back on TV. You know, I remember when she popped up for the gut check on TNA, and she was really good. And I, I just, you know, I look back on that gut check in TNA. It's amazing. It's amazing they passed on her and they passed on Adam Pierce. You know, when it happened at the time, I thought, okay, maybe it's part of a storyline, especially the Adam Pierce thing, and maybe it's going somewhere and he actually is signed. No. No. He, he came. He, I thought he had a good performance and never signed him. And Ivelisse. Same thing. I think they ended up, didn't they end up going with uh, Lady Tappa instead? Where's she at these days? That whole gut check thing was just a complete joke. I think the only remnants of gut check that's left is Sam Shaw. Ooh. Thank you, TNA. So Sexy Star won for her team with a cradle on Son of Havoc. So poetic justice, she gets her revenge for 
him beating her with a fistful of tights last week. The main event, Blue Demon Jr. against Mil Muertes. Muertes is a big dude. That's all you have to know about him. He got the win with a flatliner. Tried to kill Demon when the match was over, but Chavo made the save with a chair. But he shocks the world by attacking Blue Demon with the chair. He then wipes out a bunch of referees. Chavo is just going crazy here. Sexy Star runs down to the ring. She's pleading with Chavo. Spare Blue Demon. And they, the announcers made mention of the fact that I guess uh, he was a mentor of hers when she was first coming up as a, a young lady. So she had an attachment to Blue Demon. Please, you know, stop hitting him with the chair. And Chavo blasts her with a chair shot to the head. You don't realize until you see a chair shot to the head now these days how much we've really been conditioned to not see them anymore. Because back in the day, that would have been common practice. But now it was actually a shocking act. But watching it, you know, it, it's just uncomfortable to see a guy. Like, I didn't have a problem with the intergender match they did last week, Son of Havoc and Sexy Star. I'm not really a fan of intergender matches because, to me, they're not believable. I don't care how tough this woman is. You put her in there with a guy, and it's just hard to suspend your disbelief. And maybe, look, maybe she's better than him, and she's even at the same size. Son of Havoc is not a big guy. Matt Cross is not that tall or anything. But if you're going to do that, she's got to go through other people on the roster. And at some point, it just becomes ridiculous if you have this woman wrestling the guys every single week. I'm not a fan of it, but I didn't mind it. Okay? Some people just hated it. Some people were offended by it. I didn't really care. This, this bothered me in that it just... I don't know. It was uncomfortable seeing a guy hit a woman in the head with a chair. You know, it was a strong angle, but it's hard. Here's what I had a problem with besides that. That really wasn't what I mentioned earlier. The reason I wasn't a huge fan of this angle was because it's hard for me to get excited over a big Chavo Guerrero heel turn. I just don't care about Chavo Guerrero. I didn't care about him in WWE. I didn't care about him in TNA. I thought it was comical. When Chavo came to TNA, they practically gave this fucking guy a ticker tape parade. I respect him. He's a good wrestler. They tried to build him up, though, as though he was this great conquering star. He was this great big star from WWE that we've been able to snatch away from them. And now here he is in TNA. There are ways to get those guys over. You want to make them seem important. Chavo, it, it was so it was so comical to see TNA try so hard to make him into being such a, 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 a much bigger star than he really was. And so now here he is in Lucha Underground. And I guess he's got the Lucha background, and you've got to have some names to get this thing off the ground. I have no problem with them using Chavo, but here he is at the end of the second episode, and he's the main focal point. They did this big heel turn. He's beating everybody up like he's fucking Brock Lesnar out there. I just don't care about Chavo Guerrero. You know, I just don't. And there's nothing they could do to make me care about him in that role. If he's a bit player, if he's in the background, if he's part of a faction, is like guy number four, that's fine. But the show ended, and it's like he was like the top heel. So I, I didn't think the show was as good as last week in terms of the in-ring action, uh, save for the opening tag match, which was really good. Check that out if you can. The only thing better than uh, Mundo and Puma wrestling one another is watching them team up together. Uh, the storytelling by the announcers and with the vignettes, 
continues to be the real strong point of the show. It's only the second episode, but I I love that aspect of it so far. You know, I wish that much care was taken with storytelling in other companies, and it just isn't, and it makes for a weaker show. So in that way, two episodes in, Lucha Underground already has a leg up on WWE and TNA. It's pretty impressive. All right, JJ, give me a take on what you just heard. Actually, I'm glad uh, you played that clip because while I haven't watched Lucha Underground yet, for the first time ever during Monday Night Raw, when uh, Sheamus and Big Show had their whole match, there was a commercial that followed them for Lucha Underground. I did get to see uh, Chavo. I saw some of the the other guys, uh, competitors uh, from Lucha Underground. So it was the first time I really got to see Lucha Underground. So uh, it's something that I hope, I don't even know if I have the El uh, Rey Network, but I, I got to check to see on my cable if I get it. But it's something that, you know, I'm willing to, to check out. You know, I love wrestling. I like Chavo. I think Chavo, of course, he's an excellent wrestler. He talked uh, about Chavo just kind of, he's sick of him. He's tired of him. And, uh, you know, like I said, Chavo, excellent uh, wrestler, excellent, uh, you know, in-ring competitor. But here's the thing, Chavo's been around for such a long time. I mean, he goes all the way back to the days of WCW. Of course, he had his run in WWE. They didn't really know what to do with him there, When, of course, when uh, Eddie was there and he had that Kerwin White character. Oh, I they were no, God. Something with him, and that went nowhere when Eddie passed. Then they just kind of shoved him on the ECW on Sci-Fi, and I thought, well, maybe he could get a big push as the ECW world champion. And he, I don't know if he ever won the title, but again, nothing really came from it. He was still Chavo. No one really took him serious. Nobody took him as a main eventer. And then he went to TNA, and of course, TNA built him up. They, you know, he's a Guerrero, and you know, he, he's special. He's a big deal. It's a big sign for them. And I, I was excited. I thought, well, maybe TNA is the place where they can really capitalize and push Chavo. We'll see him get some, you know, great stuff there. And for the most part, what did they really do with him? They just kind of threw him with uh, Hernandez, and they were a tag team, you know. Hernandez was basically just wrestling with any, you know, uh, Latino, and they could get their hands on. So then Chavo came in, all right, let's put Hernandez and Chavo together. And, you know, he just did pretty much nothing else happened beyond that. And it's unfortunate because, like I said, he is an excellent wrestler. He's a, a lot of fun to watch. He had so many memorable uh, matches with Rey Mysterio. And I thought in TNA he could have done some really great things with their X Division guys. But it's just, for whatever reason, it just they didn't use him properly, and it just kind of fell flat. So now you're seeing him in Lucha Underground, and, you know, Solomon is probably just, well, so what? So now he's a heel. He just hit this woman with a steel chair. And while the moment was very shocking, of course, you don't see people getting, you know, hit in the head today if you're watching WWE television, if you're watching TNA. You know, the chair shots are pretty much banned at this point. But to see that, you know, in Lucha Underground, it's very shocking. It's a big deal. And it's got people talking. Solomon was talking about it. Now we're talking about it on King Jordan Radio. So obviously they got what they accomplished because they got yeah. people talk about this moment. So on the one hand, you got to give uh, props to them. And hopefully, you know, it's Lucha Underground. I mean, if Chavo can't make it on Lucha Underground, then I don't know where he can make it. But uh, he's an excellent performer. I hope they, you know, really build uh, the company and just give him that opportunity to just shine and do what he does best, let him wrestle. You know, whether or not he's an actor, he can act in promos or his voice voice is kind of high-pitched, you know, 
it's not the issue. This is wrestling. I think Lucha, if they just focus on the wrestling, Chavo could be a big deal, and hopefully he'll have a nice, uh, nice run there. But uh, it's something I hope, like I said, i got to check out if I get the El Rey Network. Uh, the first time I ever saw any bit of it was uh, when they played a commercial during Raw yesterday. So that was pretty cool for me to finally see that. But uh, i got to definitely tune in. And Ivelisse, she's someone else who's – I've always heard so many great things about Ivelisse. And when she was in the gut check in TNA, I thought, oh, this is great. Finally, we're going to see her wrestle. It's going to be awesome. And then instead they went with uh, Lee Tappa, who I think – was the daughter of the the barbarian, or, or she was a second generation from uh, someone. And what happened with her? She well, she's not in TNA anymore. And I think this Ivelisse has become a big star. She's got the right look. She's someone who I think the fans, uh, you know, can really get behind. But for whatever reason, TNA they dropped the ball. They dropped the ball with uh, Adam Pierce, of course, in Ring of Honor, a huge uh, star in Ring of Honor. Adam Pierce could have been something big in TNA, but. They dropped the ball again. He talked about the gut check. I mean, we got Samuel Shaw. I mean, that's that's something. Uh, the British gut check. We got Rockstar Spud. <laughs> so uh, the whole gut check. Uh, I don't know if it's just TNA's way to emulate tough enough, and they were hoping they could br- produce some new stars on the cheap or what. I don't know what they were doing. I, I don't know if they're still doing that. At least the British version. But uh, it's just something that when you had to watch it on Impact every week. It just really took you out of the moment, and it just became this reality show. And really, TNA, they keep trying to say that we're the alternative, we're the other option, and yet we're seeing them do things that basically the WWE does, and it's you're not an alternative then. You're just them, practically. But uh, it's, <laughs> it's just tough. But, you know, I like TNA. I like uh, Ivelisse, I like Chavo, and I, uh, I hope uh, you know Chavo has a nice run with uh, Lucha Underground. JJ, what cable company do you have? I got Xfinity, Comcast. All right. Um, I get the El Rey Network. That Lucha Underground is excellent. They also have a Latino version of that channel where you can see Lucha Underground um, on Saturday. Next week I'll have that information for you because I know Jeff Sheridan, my buddy, lives in Staten Island. He don't get the English feed. On, on on Wednesday, like Time Warner does. He watches it on Saturday in Spanish. So if you don't have the El Rey network, you might have the Spanish version of El Rey, and you'll be able to get it on Saturday. Now, the reason why Chavo is one of the main guys there, Chavo is in with the productions with Conan and, wow. and Vampiro. And I think because also Chavo is a name, yeah. All the other guys that you see there are known elsewhere, but they're wearing yeah. masks. They got different identities. They got different yeah. names for whatever reason. Um, Mil, Mil Muertes is Ricky Banderas. That's Maceus, who was in AAA. He was in TNA. And I don't know why he's not in there as Maceus or Ricky Banderas or Judas Maceus, but. He's under a mask there. And a lot of the other guys that are under a mask, we know. And my neighbor is printing out the list for me right now as we speak of the whole roster. So I'll have it tomorrow, and I'll have it for you guys next week if we want to go over it. Because Lou Demon Jr. is one of the legit luchadors that is a luchador and is really Blue Demon Jr. 
The other guys that are luchadors are indeed luchadors, but they got different identities now. For whatever reason, marketing or, or um, you know, registering it or trademark for whatever. But there's a lot of people there that we know. Oh, I do want to bring up, speaking of luchadors, Ron the Truth had his first child. Oh, what an adorable little girl. I saw the picture. She's so sweet. You saw that, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's very nice. Very nice indeed. Uh, Blackjack, did you hear about that? What's that, King? What was that, King? About our truth yeah, having our, a baby. He's a new daddy. Oh, yeah. Great. And JJ, did you hear about that? Yeah, I, I knew uh, he was expecting, but I didn't know that uh, she was born. A big congratulations to R-Truth. Eh? That's awesome, man. Uh, most definitely. And uh, before we Back to me. 
Oh, okay. Right, what happened? This is part of the program that JP sent me. EWA, Eastern Wrestling Alliance, at Beacon Regional High School, March 22nd, 1996. This is East Rutherford, New Jersey. Mr. Italy, Gino Caruso against Glenn Osborne. AJ Steele against Precious Damian Stone, a.k.a. Little Guido slash Nunzio. Inferno oh, Kid and Kid Flash won over Johnny Handsome and Ace Darling. Johnny Gunn, a.k.a. Tom Brandy, Salvatore Sincere, against the Hawaiian Hurricane King, Mike Kalua. Special K, Keith Shearer, against Iron Man, Tommy Cairo. Dangerous Devin Storm against Jim Powers. Devin Storm had the, mas- the master as his manager. It was Rocco Mazza. And the main event, I love this one, the Beast from the East, Bam Bam Bigelow against Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Wow. And that's just a, a church show, a, a school show. Wow. Now we got so rabbits when, and cats and, and every other stupid thing on wrestling. When was that? This week? What? When did you get that one from JP? Last, last week. Oh, cool. Is it autographed? Uh, no, but two two pictures in there were autographed. Oh, cool. cool. Yep. Everything's cool with it? Okay, oh, yeah, awesome. Definitely. Great, great. All right, folks, we'll, we'll, uh, I, will, I don't know if I'll see Survivor Series, but JJ, you'll definitely be looking at it, right? Yes, I'll be watching on the network. I'm pretty much stuck with the network, so I'll, I'll be uh, checking it in and giving you the results next week. Sounds good. We'll speak to you guys next week. Same time, same channel, same place. Take care, everybody. Okay. Good night, everybody.
Black or white 